Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Teach Me Pokemon, the podcast. I'm your host, Corey, and along with my co-host, Jared, we're best friends, been playing Pokemon for a very long time. All right, everybody, welcome back to another explosive episode of the Teach Me Pokemon podcast. I am half of the crew, half of the team. My name's Corey, here with my, uh, I couldn't think of a better adjective off the top of my head, an, an awesome co-host, oh, thank you. Thank uh, Jared, you. welcome. Uh, but we are uh, blessed to have another person on the podcast today. Our guest, Nick Robinson. Uh, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here and talk about Pokemon cards. Sweet, man. I love it. Okay, so Nick, so before we dive in, give us uh, a little bit of background about yourself uh, as far as like Pokemon goes. You know, how long have you been playing? You know, where do you live? Like, are you playing in leagues and all that stuff? Like, give us kind of the quick uh, Nick Robinson rundown. Uh, Yeah, Uh, so I learned how to play Pokemon cards uh, right around when Boundaries Cross came out. Um, wasn't really competitive for, for a couple of years, but then um, right around the 2015, 2016 season is when I became competitive. Um, first ever regionals I played in, uh, I got top four at, uh, which was super cool. Dang. And then I also won uh, U.S. Nationals uh, that same year, my first year of competitive play. Nice. Uh, so I and that was the last U.S. National. So <laughs> I'm often referred to as the reigning national. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. It's a cool, it's a cool title. I'm not going to lie. It's a cool title. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, I've, I've been playing competitively ever since, you know, I've qualified for worlds four times now, awesome. um, you know, taking a couple off seasons for, uh, various reasons, but, uh, I also now am also a Pokemon league organizer and judge. So oh. I judge tournaments and run tournaments in my local area, help my uh, community grow. Uh, I live in central Iowa. Uh, which we've seen a huge boom in play, uh, especially post-COVID. And I've been happy to be a part of that and kind of help uh, foster that community growth. Uh, but obviously, I still I still play pretty competitively as I just came off of a top eight at San Antonio Regionals with yeah. uh, PNE Maridon. Yeah. Dude, that's, I love your story. I love that you're also organizing in addition to playing. Mm. Like the, <laughs> Thank the, you. the service of what you're doing. I like, I, I'm a huge fan of that. I just, I just respect you a lot for that. Yeah, that's Thank cool. You. I really appreciate that. It's, it's definitely, definitely a lot of, a lot of hard work, you know, it's, uh, but it, it definitely pays off, you know, it helps the community grow, helps, helps my friend get to play in more events and, you know, ultimately makes Pokemon a more fun, uh, fun game to play when more people are involved. Did did you decide to do that because like you there wasn't like a good tournament organizer in the area or was that something you always just wanted to do? 
Um, I kind of just fell into it, honestly. Like, I was uh, going to college at Iowa State University at the time, and I had uh, the current league owner, who I'd been doing it for literally forever, um, he was retiring from work, and he just, like, kind of was done with Pokemon, too. And uh, there was a store uh, employee that knew that I was, uh, you know, really smart and really into Pokemon. They're like, hey, we'd really appreciate it if you guys helped us out with this. And got into this and yeah i just kind of dove in head first and was happy to run events there for a while and then now i'm at a different store now back in uh, my hometown and just you know i help a lot with uh other organizers trying to get their uh leagues off the ground we have even more stores that are trying to get off the ground here in central iowa so yeah i've just kind of i just i really just fell into it but i've uh really uh enjoyed getting to help the community grow cool Hey, hey, sorry, hey, Jared. I'm going to ask one more question. Okay, I don't mean to. Go for it. So, so you know, I, I'm here. I'm here in Waco, Nick, Waco, Texas, and you know, we used to, I, I guess, pre-COVID, you know, had a pretty good league going and a lot of consistent players. Probably like you know, I don't know, 2025 that, that like would would say, hey, I would, I'm going to go to the Dallas Regionals or whatever. And yeah. after COVID, we get back through it, and it is just like non-existent anymore. And so, do you have any like what would be a tip, like, or what do you see as like the lifeblood to have a good, consistent league going with like a good mix of kids and maybe parents and then competitive players? I mean, it really is just about community engagement and trying to uh, find ways to uh, get people into the door, right? Because sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you're, you're like, you know, people are like, oh, there's like people, you know, parents are into board games or whatever, and their kid wants to play Pokemon. They hear that their local game store has Pokemon League. And they're like, oh, maybe the kid will let the kid come in and show up. Uh, and and then they, it goes from there. But mm-hmm. honestly, if you're looking for more engagement, uh, you can, especially for kids, you can honestly like go to local elementary schools, middle schools, even high school, and just be like, hey, we're wondering if like we can put up some flyers or something, just like mm. get people get, you know, get let kids know that this is something that exists and then even be willing to be like, hey, I'll even come in and talk to pe- kids about it. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of schools host like Pokemon clubs um, and then just kind of be like, hey, if you want to get go further than just playing at Pokemon club at school, then you can go to your local game store, play in these mm. tournaments and things like that. And honestly, like from my experience, the sooner you can get players to start playing more competitively, the more likely you are to retain those players. Mm. Just because Pokemon is, it's so accessible from a competitive standpoint. There are so many great resources, uh, Limitless CCG being one of them, uh, just having access to literally the best decks in the format and seeing what people are playing every week. And even it even shows you how cheap the decks are to build, uh, just you know, giving players those resources to be like, hey, here's how you get better at this game. And it becomes really fun once you become good at it. And, you know, kids also love the idea of being like, oh, there's only like two or three juniors that show up to these tournaments. <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> my, my son is a junior at our league. And, you know, there are some nights here and there where he's the only junior there. And he's like, done. <laughs> Boom! Top dubs, dubs only. Top junior for the night. Last <laughs> night was not one of those nights. He, he, he came in second out of two, and you have to roll with that too. But, yeah, and, and, but I mean, like sometimes just like that little motivation of being like, "Hey, like I I won this tournament," because even if you just because yeah. you showed up, it still feels good. And then like 
having that situation like, oh, another junior or two showed up and I didn't win. Okay, what can I do to try and win, right? I kind of tap into that competitive nature and be like, hey, here's all these resources of thing of decks you can play and like how to build your deck and watch these YouTubers that show you like how to play those decks mm. and things like that. Wow, that is awesome. What What's the youngest like junior at your league? Um, The youngest consistent one is probably like eight. Hey. I did have a five-year-old girl playing a pre-release, oh. and she did go three and zero in the pre-release. Oh, so crazy. let's go! Okay, um, all right. So, you know, sometimes sometimes you get those little kids that are into strategy games, and yeah. you know they're having a good time, and they just cool. You know, obviously pre-release kind of puts everyone on an even playing field too. Which yeah. Helps, but, oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, a son. He's he's 16 months old right now, but I keep telling him, okay, when you're five. Get him behind the chair. Get him at the table. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. <laughs> he, got, he has to hold the cards. Like I, He will get there. I'm like, five years old. You're going to win juniors. You can do this. Yes. So, funny. I, I have a quick story I want to tell about. My, my youngest is four. And then, Nick, I, want, I really want to dive into San Antonio uh, with you. But he's been watching me and my eight-year-old play, and he just wants to hold the cards, look at him. Yeah. He's kind of jealous. But so the other night I did just that. I let him crawl up in my lap and I was just trying to teach him, okay, there's Pokemon <laughs> energy trainers. Like if we can just get our mind on the categories, this is where we're going to start. Yeah. Because your dad still struggles with it. <laughs> we could just, if we can just get these three down, uh, we can, we can get there. We're, and we didn't have a whole lot of success, but yeah. we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Oh, you gotta try. It's all about exposure. There you go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, that's so funny. Okay. Well, I want to, that's a great conversation. I think we will, uh, that's inspired me. I want to talk more about tournament organizers in future episodes so if you're one of our listeners be tuning in for that because there's a lot of really cool opportunities that we can talk about there but i want to talk about the san antonio tournament because you had a great run um huge tournament huge tournament turnout but we have to start the story nick (laughs) how the day started to start the story in round one with a very unique competitor that you were up against and some crowd issues that were occurring and and i'll leave it to you to to kind of uh, set the stage however you want to do that uh so i so i sit down for my round one and i'm playing against this absolute loser (laughs) (laughs) okay but actually so i did play against our our very own Corey round one um, we had a very funny situation where uh, Corey counted out his deck, like pile pile shuffled to count out his deck, and only had fifty nine cards. Um, and you know, I was just trying to let him like f- figure out where his card was. And the round started. He's still looking around for his card, and then I think I was like, "Hey, like I like I was just like, hey, can we get like a judge over here for a time extension?" Um, and you were so actually, nice about it. You were so nice I was about try- it. I just wanted to like make sure we got to play Pokemon. Yeah, right? and then. Uh, Corey did get marked with a late penalty, which for those of you that don't know, it essentially means that if you are going to a situation where you don't finish all three games, uh, then the person who wasn't late wins. So even if it was like Corey had one game one and then we didn't finish game two, I would still win the set because we didn't finish out the series. Yeah. Um, just kind of like, I guess the punishment for being late. I wasn't trying to get a late penalty. I was just like, can we just get like two extra minutes? Yeah. But, you you were funny because you were like, I don't think it's really going to matter. Like, I remember you saying that and I was like, oh, he's on my ride on. Like, he's got like, he, he, <laughs> <laughs> he knows this is going to be quick. 
Probably wasn't going to matter. <laughs> and you were running guard, Varkori, one of the speedier decks Yo, you know, yeah. in, our, in our format. Yeah, today. yeah, the ones that really get the job done real fast. Yeah, no. And and, and so, I, I mean, I remember I was, like, sweating. I was coughing. And I just couldn't, like, I finally found that freaking card, Nick. It was under my play mat. And it was just like, ugh. It was, so I was meeting our buddy, Logan. And he actually had the deck for me, all except the uh, Luxurious Cape. That was the only card he didn't have. So I brought that, and that ended up being the card that was under the mat because I think the way I put it in the sleeve and put it down there, which is oh, so sure. which is so dumb. But <laughs> but, but then cheats, do you remember, and I was telling Jared what also happened, do you remember what that kid did that was walking by our table when he, with their oh, parents? Oh, God, I forgot. Yeah. Like some little kid just... Uh, is walking by and just up chucks oh. right next to our table. Oh. I, was like, I didn't know what was happening. I thought they spilled something, like just spilled food or drink, whatever. I'm like, that is, there's too much solid pieces for that to be <laughs> drink, and there's too much liquid for that to be food. So we had like two, there was like two judges that were like bodyguarding. They're like standing like this. They're like, like stay back, stay back. <laughs> They were. They were. It was crazy. We were just laughing about that for like half the time. Yeah, that pretty much was Especially half the time. We didn't have much of a game beam. Oh, I think like game one lasted like like five seconds. Like it was like uh, go pat. Like I think I started scream tail and it was just over. And yeah, then it was just scream tail pass. I'm like, yeah. okay, generator on the Raikou. Like you're dead. And he's like, yep, okay. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it started. That started. So yeah, did, very disappointing. I think uh, uh, you know. Anytime you play somebody right, you always hope like, okay, th- I hope they do well because you know yeah. you're always you thinking, yeah, you hope it's a good game. But then you always want their, you know, your resistance to be good, and so you're wanting them to. So it was fun to kind of check. You know, you're on, you know, RK9, and you're like seeing, okay, oh Nick, he's two zero, Nick's three zero, you know, and just kind of watching you throughout the tournament. And I thought that was really neat. And then. You know, I, I think I dropped after round seven or something. And so uh, I just kind of keep it up in day two. And I'm like, oh, dang, like there's Nick. Like he keeps going. and keep... So I, I was thrilled. I remember I called Jared on the way home. I was like, hey, man, this guy, you know, that I played in round one, like he's going right now. Like he's playing. And Jared's like, yeah, I think I saw him on stream or something. Or or it just was why I think you were round four on stream. Or I was, I, yeah, I was round four. I was like the lunch break game. So you were the lunch the second break. round four game. Yeah. Well, uh, crazy cool. So tell us like what? Okay. So I know it's been a couple weeks now, but what outside of just getting to top eight and stuff, like what do you remember? Like were there moments that stuck out to you from that tournament run? Um, well, I remember telling all my friends that um, my opponent did not take any prize cards round one and they were not. Playing <laughs> <laughs> that was actually something I was like, oh, like, yeah, no, my opponent didn't take any prize cards. They were not playing so well. I was like, oh. That's pretty good. Well, uh, and Nick, I, the other deck I brought with me was Snorlax. Like it was between those two, and I and I was like, nah, Guardy. I feel like gives me fifty fifty matchups the whole way, and I probably should have yeah. just done Snorlax. But so yeah. funny. And then other other things I remembered. I do remember playing against Snorlax all in round five. Uh, Snorlax for my build of the deck is generally pretty good, just mm. because. I do play Spirit Tomb, so if you're not playing Pidgeot, then you're just kind of they're just kind of stuck, and most of the time you just get an attack for multiple turns in a row. Yeah. Um, and I remember specifically doing a play in game one against them where I had hit for 160 onto a Snorlax with a Bravery Charm and a Snorlax with a Cape, and I was able to go, uh, I was able to go Lost Vacuum the Charm, take a prize, 
And then Boss and Ampy very much for three prizes. So I took oh, a four prize turn to win the game. Dang. Game one. Oh. Uh, that was really cool. Um, <laughs> that was a good turn. It was a pretty fun turn. Uh, I remember uh, round nine playing against Isaiah Bradner, and he mm. knocked out my uh, he knocked out one of my Pokemon. And uh, you know he had like Lone Giratina V Star in play, and I said. Now Isaiah, I need you to promise me something. He's like, what, 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 what is it? I'm like, I need you to promise you won't be mad at me. <laughs> and he's like, uh, sure. And I like, I'm like, okay. Uh, Raihan onto Mew, Dynamotor attached, loss impact oh, with Mew EX. Oh <laughs> dang, dang. Um, yeah, I definitely got, especially very lucky against Isaiah Bradner um, in that round nine. But it felt good to go into day day two at eight one, knowing that I didn't have to have like the perfect record because you know when you go in at day two at six two one it's like you're fighting for your life out there you know yeah. you're you are straight up like need to go six oh yeah uh to win yeah um and then day two i played against a lot of rapid strike i played against three different rapid strikes mm. and i went six and one in games against it yeah uh, which is not something you normally expect out of ride on mm. but I learned that using Motivate uh, to put two energies on a MUEX is incredibly scary for them because uh. their rapid flow doesn't knock out Squawk and they just put 120 on something. And I go, okay, I'll just rapid flow you for uh, 240 on the active and knock out mm. your auxiliary. And now gosh. you just, now you don't have a response. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's dirty. Oh, my gosh. So it was one of those moments where it was like in the middle of the match. I was like, oh, this is like really good. And like mm. he like, they can't do anything about this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, mm -hmm. Like, so, uh, yeah, that was nice. Um, and yeah. And then, uh, I, every single loss I had in the tournament was against Charizard because <laughs> Charizard's a pretty bad matchup already. And then yeah. like, Charizard opponents were winning the coin flips. And then, uh, even in the games that they didn't win the coin flips, they just had like double battle VIP pass. I'm like, okay, yeah. it's, <laughs> I'm not being Zard today. Yeah, I know that I was gonna bring that up. I was like, you're only three L's, we're all Charizard. And against all piloted by obviously pretty good players in each in each circumstance. Um, but like I just I wasn't sure what your thoughts were. I was like, those are tough matchups, but were were any of those close? I, I didn't have a chance to catch or like see any um or about the Azul matchup and stuff, but like were you close in any of those three or they all were just like two O's or O twos in the uh, other favor? Or? I think I think I got O2'd by all of them. Uh, the closest one I had was against Grant because uh, like one game he start I went second and then he just started Rotom like bench Charizard and like instant charge. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh cool, I just need the generator and rope combo, and then it's like I didn't hit any generators and like whiffed the rope, and I'm like, this is dumb. Or <laughs> 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 right, I think I had no, I think I had the rope, but I didn't hit a generator. So, okay, and then I like. I like like well I might as well fleet foot so I like retreat into my uh Raikou and fleet foot it for one and that was the generator and now mm -hmm. like well now I don't have the means to be able to attack afterwards so it's just like yeah yeah the matchup is really hard especially if they set up like decently well um which my opponents were were doing my Charizard opponents were doing um you know generally what I say with with this deck is that it's the deck that forces every other deck to have a response you know being able to respond to a turn two iron hands, being able to respond to um, turn two, like 220 when you haven't played a supporter. Like it's, it's generally hard for most decks to do that. But for Charizard, their response is to rare candy in the Charizard, which they already do turn two every game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's really hard. Uh, 
you can definitely there's some text that you can play to like have a better charizard matchup which i definitely think is worth it going into like portland and charlotte just because i think charizard has proven itself to be uh if not the best deck one of the best decks in the format and definitely going to be a decent percentage of the meta no matter what tournament you play in that's super interesting. Uh, I I want to I want to talk more about that, but first I want to talk about your deck building concept for this, mm-hmm. because we we've been talking about on the past episode the the advent of the peony, how strong that is, especially early game. But looking at your list and kind of seeing how the Maridon has evolved, your list is so interesting to me. Like you've slimmed out some Pokemon. You talked about the Spiritune. You've got Luminion in here. Like, talk, talk to us about how, how you've seen this deck evolved and maybe why some of these things in here. The, the Raihan as well is not something we prototypically see in this deck. Why, why this build? Um, so I, I saw this build because it was, it was originated by Station Park. And I honestly was like, oh, this, like, this deck does what every Mari- like normal Maridon player thinks their deck does, right? Mm-hmm. It like, actually gets a turn two attack off and like, actually <laughs> sets up and goes crazy. Uh, you know, like, I feel like it's one of those things that with Maridon, it's like, well, in theory, I can do this really good thing turn one and then uh, be okay the rest of the game. And it's like, well, this deck actually does the crazy thing turns one. You you know, you peony for double generator, you peony for the battle VIP pass to get Mew X, Squawk, and then you get another, you get a generator, things like that. Like, you actively, like, break these crazy boards turn one, uh, which is why I wanted to play. I've actually... You know, I've never, I never played Maridon uh, before this tournament. Like, I'm pretty sure this is my first time playing Maridon at a sanctioned event. Um, Just, and, you know, I wanted to be able to play, like I said before, I wanted to play the deck that people had to respond to. So often in the past, I've played decks where it's like, oh, I want to, I want to be able to respond to this deck by doing this. And like, you know, oh, I have this comeback mechanic. It was like, well, I just wanted to be the deck that people have to respond to. Mm. Um, but that being said, I still did want to play text to make sure I had better matchups. Uh, Spiritomb was one that was specifically there for to make it so you have a mute, like actually have a mute matchup. Uh, mute like Mew can be a really hard matchup if they set up, just because uh, you can't really one shot their stuff outside of uh, mute um, Raichu V. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those things that generally they can knock you out pretty easily, and then even if they don't, there's like, oh, I'll just psychically. Yeah. Here, here's my note <laughs> you're, like, yeah. you're like oh well that now, now i'm sad um, <laughs> but so that's why i wanted to do that oh my dog just yelled uh and then uh spirit team's also just really good for uh stall mm-hmm. uh you know making it so you can't like i talked before they can't run a v and they tend to not set up very well so just having kind of like a two birds one stone scenario there um otherwise important tech cards i I didn't really care for having three beach court. I don't think three beach court is necessary with this deck, especially since you already have uh, Mew EX as a free retreater. But you do want, you still want multiple path counters because this deck's worst nightmare is like a Roxanne path or Iono path. Uh, so I liked, I liked Clap Stadium. Uh, you can use it to get rid of your squawk ability, you know, free up a bench spot. Or in some cases, you even get to heal off damage against like Lost Zone decks. Sometimes they'll like, Spin instantly for 110 and then plan to, you know, clean that up with Sableye later or, you know, things like that. Being able to have that collapse stadium mean is like, oh, okay, I make it so you lose that win condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really nice. 
Uh, other than that, some people have asked about like the Switch versus Switch cart. Um, we played Switch just because decks like Gardevoir and Lost Zone decks, like their win con is often go uh, counter catcher and then snipe around it with Screamtail or Lot or Sableye, whatever. So just having one extra out to be able to move that Flappy mm. felt important. Uh, just because that is often your only way to lose in, mm. the, in those mm. games. Um, and then Raihan is honestly probably my favorite card in the deck. I've said it before in, on Twitter and other podcasts. Pretty much every game I played Raihan, I won. Mm. Uh, just because, you know, getting that extra energy in play is so huge. Uh, you get the surprise plays. Like, you get the surprise Mew EX, like I talked about before. Yes. You get the, you can power up Iron Hands EX without using a generator. Um if you get the DTE, uh, it's just, it's super nice. It also just acts as a fifth supporter card for the deck, right? Like, obviously, you, your only real, like, search or any close to draw supporters are Peony. Uh, so just having that fifth supporter, it just makes your deck a little bit more consistent, too. So I really like the list. Uh, there's definitely things I changed going forward. Uh, I don't feel the need for Luminion V as much just because... Uh, you don't generally have bench space for it very often because mm. but you generally do, well, even though you only play the one one flappy line you do want to get that out almost every game uh so i i cut that luminion v for a tapu coco ex as okay. just another counter to zard but it also does help give you a little bit of a comeback potential just uh you know paralyze and say you have to move this somehow um it can be annoying for certain decks um Otherwise, I also really liked switching a battle VIP pass for a nest ball because uh, there are oftentimes late game where I wanted to have peony for like enough for like an, a MUEX or something, uh, just because obviously uh, Gar one of Garbor's main game plans is to counter catcher MUEX Iono you to two and say, uh, okay, you don't have draw. So that's also why we play. I played the Mew two MUEX. Um, it was for that reason. So just making sure you kind of play into that a little bit more was nice too. So I, I, I love the rationalities. It's really it's really cool hearing your yeah. mindset. Sorry, I just like yeah. totally just dumped no, like, hey, for like ten minutes this straight. Is, I felt this like. is teach me Pokemon, and we just got educated. We did. Okay? We did. Like, no apologies whatsoever. No, that was great. Yeah. Uh, free so coaching. free coaching. Yeah. So Nick, we uh, so we have like an educational moment on all of yeah. our on all of our shows, and um, this week. Love that. This week we talked about like incorporating chance, if you will. So a lot of times that's like flipping cards, right? Heads or tail things. But yeah. the electric generator is in a way kind of out of your control. Now you can put, what'd you have? Six, 16 lightning energy in this deck. So it's like, yeah. you're, you're going to probably get at least one, but tell us about the, how, how that went for you in the tournament. Where were you hitting, not hitting? Do you use that as an excuse like oh, i can't beat these charizards because i missed on these electric generators or you know just like the thought that goes into like the chance quote unquote cards yeah so it's like it's one of those things where it's like yeah sometimes you will lose games because you whiff electric generators there were there were but in that same vein there were multiple times at san antonio where i would whiff electric generator and then restart for three energy mm. like and like obviously, like that's a statistical anomaly, but it hap it happens, right? And the big part is making sure you play to the play your best uh, to incorporate that. You know, the best the best players still get unlucky, but they still win games. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're playing to your outs to the best of your capabilities, even if you are drawing bad, is important. And I think a lot of people 
especially newer players, when they get into a scenario where it's like, I'm not drawing perfectly, I'm not drawing super hot, like I'm just destined to lose. Like that's not that's not true at all, right? You can you can you know play to your outs sometimes, and sometimes it's little things like okay, like I don't want to attach my energy first because I don't know what I'm hitting off this generator. You know, I should play the generator first and then base my decision off that. Sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to attach this lightning energy to my Iron Hands EX to amp turtle one because I can uh, use a forest seal stone for double turbo energy. Uh, you know, I can peony for that and just have that be my way to get it. Um, just like playing to those outs is really important. And I think this build of Rhydon specifically uh, definitely rewards players for playing better mm. because of the fact any deck where you can search out any card is going to be going to have a higher skill ceiling. Uh, just because you know there's a bit you know what I what I peony for is going to be different than what someone that went O four drop peony for right. Like obviously luck is always so involved. You know there is. Uh, you know, variance is a major factor in Pokemon TCG, but it's so important to play to your outs and uh, try and minimize that chance as much as possible. You know, doing things like, oh, I want to I want to super rod in my energies before I generate her. So I have more outs to hit things like like there's so many little things that you can do to properly sequence that is going to make it so you win more games. Mm -hmm. Love That's it. Super interesting. How do you. How do you think about these risk cards historically, though? Like, I like hearing your rationality for why it makes sense in this deck and how you're able to pivot. But for our listeners out there who are looking at certain cards and thinking about certain decks, how do you not treat risk as a whole in terms of your deck, but individual cards that offer you a high risk reward? Uh, so individually, like, you have to consider, like, what your risk versus reward is, right? Like something with a card like Cranomatic, uh, your your risk is you get nothing. Your your reward is you get literally any card, right? And literally any card in your deck is pretty good on item card, right? Um, so that's why people play cards like Cranomatic, but not Pokeball, because on Pokeball your reward is just a Pokemon, mm. which it's good effect, not good enough to risk you know, play, you know, it's not good enough to, to risk it, to do nothing. Part of the benefit of Cramatic also being that you get to thin your hand out with like Mew EX or, or Mew VMAX, so you get to draw more cards. Uh, so that's the, that's the biggest thing you have to consider with risk and reward cards. It's like, what is the reward that I get off of this? And, you know, obviously there are coin flip cards in Pokemon. There are cards like Generator or Pokegear that can whiff. Um, mm. But thinking what, Will playing this card make it more likely for me to win? Will it like give me like more consistency, right? Like the whole name of the game is consistency, but the definition of consistent being doing the same thing over and over again. You want to make sure that you're doing your strategy over and over again. And maybe playing a pokey gear is going to help with that strategy more uh, because, you know, but maybe on the other hand, maybe Luminion V is going to be better to help with that strategy because. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe your Poke Gears aren't going to hit as often, or oh, I don't have the bench space to give up for Luminion V, so I actually play Poke Gear instead. Or maybe I play Poke to stop, so then playing Poke Gear actually synergizes a bit because I can draw into that out off of Poke Stop. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's just a lot of factors you have to consider, uh, which uh, is really huge in deck building. And I think that's deck building, this is kind of a different topic, but like deck building is almost like a lost art form, I mm -hmm. feel like. Just because with how like uh, 
how much information is shared nowadays. Yeah. Uh, you know, people just play the 60 that won the last regional or top aided the last event, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, but changing like little things about your deck can like really make or break uh, your tournament run. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really great. We were looking at a number of decks in this commenting on risk cards, but also commenting on exactly what you said. Like we were looking at Azul's list and saying like, how does he beat, how does he beat stall? I don't think he does. Like, I don't think, nope. I don't think he can. And, and, but he had calculated that risk into the, into the building. Same thing with you and some of the cards you have in here. Oh heck, I'm throwing that spirit tomb in there. I'm going to, I'm going to give myself that up and down against stall that up and down against Mew. And I agree with you. I do think deck building is a lost art form with all the, all the information out there. A hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. With that risk factor, you have to like, like, a deck like playing Charizard, yeah, obviously you think, okay, how likely is it that I'm going to hit stall? And then, uh, you know, how much is that going to matter? Like looking into it, like San Antonio had like, I think it was like less than 1% of players played stall or something. Like it was a very small amount. So it's like, you know, there's a decent chance you hit them in day two because they're probably going to do well. But in general, like how many are going to hit? Like I don't think, I, don't, I think the only stall Azul hit in his entire run was when he ID'd with Cal Connor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. Smart, smart, ID. smart ID. Smart, smart ID. Smart ID, right? Come on, you know, Cal. Why'd you agree to that? What are you doing? Well, so here's the thing, though, is that it's a smart idea for Cal, too, because that puts another Charizard into top eight, where she knows he's going to win again. No. Oh. Mm. So, Good you point. Know, Good sometimes point. you get those... Next level, Nick. No, it's, <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big thing. Like, you, sometimes you'll see players at, like, top tables being like, I actually, like, I could ID and just guarantee my way up, but so and you know maybe even if I lose it doesn't matter I'm gonna top eight so in that case I'm gonna play it out so that way I can try and maybe win in a bad matchup and if I win against that bad matchup then I knock that bad matchup out of top eight and make mm. it so that I'm more likely to win the whole event. That's playing to your outs, Corey. That Dang. is playing to your outs on the macro scale. All I heard, I all I heard there from Nick was, "I should have played Snorlax." That's all I heard from Nick. There, so <laughs> I, I, I goofed. Uh, Snorlax, it's a good deck. It's a good deck. It does well. We're probably going to see a lot of it at Portland. Yeah. Uh, not sure about Charlotte, but probably we'll see a lot of Portland. So you're, you're, are you heading to Portland? Are you heading to Charlotte? I will. I, I will be heading to Portland. I sadly will not be at Charlotte. But okay. I will be at Portland. So. I know you probably can't disclose what you're running, but are, do you feel? Do you know what you're running yet? Uh, I am never one to know what I'm running. Uh, the day, like day before, uh, you know, the week before. Um, the closest I ever had to that was honestly probably for San Antonio because I said, "Screw it, I'm going to play Maraidon because <laughs> I think it's funny." Yeah. Um, and obviously it worked out, but I, I'm, I'm the type of person that will like change my deck at like three four in the morning mm. um I, the first ever regionals i went to i literally didn't have my like list locked in until like 3 a.m or something yeah. crazy like Ooh. that yeah yeah <laughs> that's a lot okay well here, here's what i want to do to close out this portion because Corey and i were on a little bit of a hawk streak with this knock on wood but i want you don't say anything about your deck give us a prediction of what you think in terms of uh quantity of decks being played what do you think are going to be in the top three most played going into Portland? Top three most played are going to be Charizard for sure. Um, Lost Tina. And then, hmm. I'm going to go out on, uh, it's, 
probably Maridon is in the top three. It's either Maridon or Guardi, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Maridon. Maridon was one of the most played decks at San Antonio, and I think it's gonna probably stick that way since it, it, I got a top eight with it. I know a lot of people have been raving about it, at least to me. So I have a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of like a confirmation bias going on here. People be like, "Man, Maridon!" I'm like, "Ah, yes." <laughs> they just oh, don't so talk good. to you about it. Um, so good. I uh, I grew up in Portland. That's where I'm from. Oh, cool. Portland's weird. I think I think it's a weird place. It's going to be Inteleon. That's going to be... You think Inteleon? I think Inteleon is in the finals. I don't know if it's going to win, but it'll be Inteleon uh, in the think finals. It's, do you think it's played a lot? Do you think it's in the top three most played? Uh... No, it'll be. I can, it, I can see Inteleon finals, but I don't know about top three. Uh, it'll be no. It'll be top. It'll be top five. It'll be top five most okay. played. Yeah, it'll make the infographic. It'll make the infographic. It'll make the infographic. <laughs> yes, it will. I'm calling that for sure. Hundred percent. Charizard will still be number one. It just. It yeah. just will be. It's just iconic, and when it's good, it's going to be played. Yeah. Like, what was the What was the cap for Portland? Did, did you see? Or did anybody see I that? I did not see. I don't. I, I have no idea, honestly. Man, Nick, you got to be able to top eight the like two regionals in a row. That would be big oh, deal. Oh God, I my bank account would love. That. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so good. Well, hey man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, sorry, I wasn't able to give you a better round one uh, matchup, <laughs> but I think that you was did. Fine. It, was, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> you take the dub. You'll always have the barfing kid. You'll yeah. always, you we'll always, always have, have that. We'll have that trauma bonding. <laughs> yeah, the trauma bonding. See, yes. Oh God. That round one at a regional. Love it. All right, Nick, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate right. it. See ya. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Well, we're back with Teach Me Pokemon. We just got off of our call with our friend Nick Robinson. And what we want to do here, kind of leading into our educational moment of the show, is talk further about the last thing that we talked with Nick with is about cards, Corey, that have an inherent risk to them. Mm. Um, and to reiterate, if you're just joining us for this part of the show, these are cards that you may have to flip a coin. You may only get to look at the top couple of cards of your deck. Um, some other thing has to happen where the action is not guaranteed based on it. The example that I'll give is right now in the meta, if you play Nest Ball and if you have four or less uh, Pokemon on your bench and there's a basic... There's no risk in the nest ball, Corey. Mm -mm. It's going to be able to go in there, find a basic <laughs> Pokemon, and put it on your bench. That is a safe card. Yes. Uh, but as we were kind of talking about with Nick, uh, especially specific and kind of the whole way that he built his deck with this Peony is, well, Peony is there to do one thing. It's to find <laughs> electric generators. Yeah. And then you're rolling the dice, man. Mm-hmm. So, but this is a standard meta deck. This is a deck that has won. So how do we, how do you think about risk in decks in, in terms of not the deck overall, but the specific cards that are in it? Yeah. I mean, I think it has to be like kind of centered around it. You know, you have to, I mean, I think of decks, um, you know, uh, the old Gengar that I hated that you, that you would run every once in a while where it, <laughs> you flip I a coin. Look this up. I, I have this card pulled up. I'm ready to talk about okay. this card. Okay, well, like, okay, then I won't say too much about it. But, like, like when people would do, um, 
like a one of super scoop up, it's like, what are you doing? You know, like that is, that's a one timer 50, 50. But if you had, if you could fit four in your deck, depending on the style of it, okay. Like I, I think I could, if, if what the effect of that card, if it's going to be a big game changer for you, then I think that is worth it. Um, the one that comes to mind and then I'll, you can talk about that one, but, uh, the, um, uh, the aroma? No, not aroma. In Lugia, the the coin flip one, where if it's tails, it's a oh, yeah. basic. If it's a heads, it's an ev- evolution. That one is interesting to me because you aren't deciding what Pokemon you're going to get, but you're saying no matter what, I think it can help in whatever situation. But at the end of the game, when you want that uh, Luminion for the boss order and you need a tails, it, it, it's like now you're coin flipping there. And so, but if you have a four of, or if it's like a main mechanism in your deck and you're okay living and dying because if you get the heads or whatever coin flip you need, usually those alter the game in a, in a huge way into your favor. So that's how I would look at it. But people that just do like one of stuff, you're like, oh, I hope I get the head. I was like, oh, that's just, that's frustrating. That's frustrating. Do you think that there is an inherent risk less with that in trainer cards than there are in Pokemon that have some type of risk tied to them? Uh, depends. Uh, I guess examples. So why do you think Cram the Cramrant trainer were in Mew? Like, why do you think that card is okay? The Cramomatic? Cramomatic. Because... Because your your tails your tail state still is drawing you cards, right? And I was thinking yeah. about Cramomatic too. Like yeah. that is a high risk, high reward card. You mm-hmm. hit that heads any card in your deck. Mm-hmm. You're playing an item card. It's not a supporter card, so you mm-hmm. can go and find that boss's order that I yeah. Ono at that key moment. Yeah. And, and that deck is just the model of consistency. It's a world championship deck. I mean, that's a yeah. perfect example. Yeah, but, I think that makes sense. It it has the it it has a good. A not as good inverse effect. Same thing with what you're talking about with Lugia. Well, if you hit heads, you're at least still finding a, an evolved Pokemon, whether you need it or not. But I think even Mezagoza yeah. in that deck, uh, you know, that that deck is just trying to find Pokemon mm-hmm. any way it can. And mm-hmm. I wonder, because we talked last week about Lugia, and we've been talking about how Lugias fall up. I wonder if that's one of the reasons that deck's not played as much anymore, because the risk is based on consistency, and that eliminates consistency. Maybe. I I think it lost those, like, one prize hitters, and, you know, after talking with Nick about his deck, that just, like, Lugia can't even stand a chance against, like, a a Speed Mer... Excuse me, Speed Meridon. So, I I don't know if that's the reason why it's dead, but I do think that definitely makes it, obviously, not as consistent, because you just don't know. You can't game plan. Um, Wasn't there a Pokemon, Jared... Where like it's flipping ability, it, it was a heads or tails deal, and if it was heads, you got to like pull out one of their bench. It was like a gusting effect, or oh, I'm like blanking, but it was like a stage one or stage two. Um, I, I, I regardless, and I could be I could be crazy, but a trainer card is like you play it heads or tails, whatever you move on. But a Pokemon like you have to set it up. It sits on your bench. Like, I feel like it's part of a game plan that you're running and that could just be tails over and over again. And you're probably going to lose. Whereas like, if you get a tails on a Cramomatic, unless it's like for the game or something, that's not going to ruin you most likely. And so I think the, that's why the trainer ones are, you know, a super scoop up. Okay. You move on with life. So I think that that's why, unless you're running 
Woog Trio. With Undersea Tunnel, flip three coins for each heads, discard three cards of, of your opponent's deck. Now, that's what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> I, I, I played that online for a little bit. I was determined to make that work. <laughs> Did not work, but I, I wanted it, man. I wanted it. Uh, I just think it's a very interesting topic as what we've been saying over the past couple weeks. And as is we've part of our education moment, we've been talking and preaching about consistency. Yep. Play consistency, play consistency. Well, like you said, you know, the Mew VMAX deck is one of the most consistency things, and it has a, a 50-50 flip card in it. Yeah. Right? Uh, some, so do some of the other decks. And, and Maridon, one of the best decks in the format, one of the most played in San Antonio. Yeah. It has an effect that you can whiff on. Yeah. You could run, th- your, your lifeblood in that deck is accelerating energy, and that thing can go to town for you. Or it's probably a reason a lot of Maridon decks don't make it as far as they should. Yeah. I, I do think there is chance with that, obviously. Like, it is a risk. But at least you can sequence things properly to, like, have a chance to uh, to have a better odds of getting those electric energies. You know, like, one way the peony could work is, like, you peony and then, you know, you always see every most people grab the two electric generators. But if you're if you really need them, you could actually grab electric generator and a forest seal stone attached forest seal stone, and then grab another electric generator with that. And I know it's thinning one card. I think you can. I think since the rule change, tools are no longer items. No, I think it's trainers, isn't it? Oh, does it say trainers? Oh man, am I? Is it? Am I wrong? Do we do we need to do a quick check here? A quick check. Quick is, check is this quick is this the check. teach me Pokemon? It's two trainer cards, two trainer okay, cards. Okay. So you, okay. you can, yeah, you, you can, can grab, you can grab a, a four seal stone and then go that into another generator, which thins it down by one more card. It's one more card. So, you know, increases your chances. So, but yeah, man, I think the, you know, there's always chance in Pokemon. It's just, is inherent, but the flipping does keep things interesting, but you will, you know, most top decks, they're, they're just not going to have, they're not going to play that game. You know, they're, they're going to keep it. They, you know, they know what they're getting. They build their deck that way. But right now, like a lot of the trainer uh, item cards, like there's just not a lot of search ball. I mean, nest ball, that's it. Like there were not, you know, ultra ball is always going to be a thing, but you know, it definitely lost some of those abilities, the item cards that find Pokemon that we've always kind of had before. Here's the two points I want to make for our educational moment with this. Number one, and uh, feel free to agree or disagree. Cards with risk do not equal a successful deck. So when a new set comes out, you and I always get, we we do what I think most people do. We look through a set and we read a card that has some level of risk, right? It's not automatic, right? It's not, you know, it's not a dark patch, which automatically is going to attach that dark energy from your discard. But we'll read a card and we'll be like, oh, this is it. (laughs) This is it. This is it. This is the like, card. This is, this is the card right here. Yeah. It, it's similar to last week where you have to say, if this happens, I win the game. Yeah, that's true. If this happens. That's if your true. mindset with Miradon is, yeah, I'm going to play four of these a game and get eight energy, you have a bad mindset for running <laughs> yeah. a top a top yeah. meta deck right now. Yeah, yeah. So you you have to be with that. The other point is this, and this, this gets me a little frustrated competitively. Okay. You, as the competitor, have to live with the failures of the risk that mm. you run. Mm-hmm. So if you hit one energy on three electro generators, I don't feel bad for you. Yeah. 
I don't think anyone should feel bad for you. No. Like, and if you hit eight, you ran them. Is that, <laughs> is that statistically improbable to get eight energies off of four of those? Yes, feels bad if you're on the side. But they ran them in their deck. They were willing to live with the risk, and so do you as their competitor. Yeah. I, I hate excuses on risk-based cards. That's true. And, and and it's like, I just keep thinking of in between rounds at like a regionals, you, if you just like don't talk and you're just listening to the chatter around you, it's always like, oh man, man, I got like three tails in a row or, you know, my electric generator, I hit, I used four and I got one energy and it's like always complaining. And cause that's the easiest, you know, it wasn't my fault. It was the card. Bad, bad luck. Bad, bad luck. luck. Unlucky. Unlucky. Right. You know, you never, I guess you do hear it, but you just don't hear the like, yeah, I, I played four and got seven energy. Like I, that's what won me the game. Right. You, you like don't want to talk about that as much because you feel like the bad side. Yeah. Of the luck. Yeah. So I think, I think the lesson here to our listeners is like, again, the risk of the card, high risk, high reward does not equal automatic success. It can help you a lot. It can hurt you a lot. And two, as something we're working on in our sportsmanship and mindset, own the risk of your deck. If it pops off, congratulations. You took the risk. Odds pay, paid off in your favor. Nick, Nick in the top eight, I guarantee you he hit a lot of generators in yeah. that run in San Antonio. And there's a lot of people that weren't in the top eight running very similar deck lists that it just yeah. didn't pan out. Yeah. That is that is the luck part. But, but we cannot say like, uh, oh, like, you know, you, you can't blame everything on the risk cards and you can't blame everything on it either. So is Elijah, is your son, is he drawn to the, the flipping, the, the heads or tail stuff? No, he is still drawn to what can do the most damage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this I can do 700 damage with weakness <laughs> if, if this is happening. And then all he at eight years old, all he wants to do is get enough energy to do one big attack and knock you out. Yeah. And then and then that's 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 where his mind is. Big numbers, big numbers, big numbers. You know what gives me anxiety with coin flips in in. And people that play Pokemon, or if you're just starting, inevitably you're probably rolling dice. You don't actually flip coins unless you're in Japan. But uh, but you, you know, I always Jared the dice always falls off the table for me. Like or, or I or I knock a card or I get, it goes to the next play field to the, the other opponents to my right. It's it's like I'm terrible. I, I hate it. I will not do the heads or tails. Like, do you want to go first or second? I I just wait because I'm like I want my opponent to do it because this the dice just flies off the table. I can never do it effectively and maybe that's just a flaw in my uh flipping of dice but uh i I hate it can't do it makes me uncomfortable uh but you have no problem more with like risk cards like like i'll I'll even throw out the mew in the current format look at the top six cards of your deck yeah you find an item card there you can take it there's some risk involved in that that card is a staple for many top tier decks yeah oh yeah 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 i mean i don't mind i mean again you got to build your deck in a proper way right like you know, if you're going to run um, uh, Battle VIP, you have to... I, I just see so many new players, like, they throw four Battle VIP in, but they, but yet their deck doesn't indicate a way to find it. Didn't you go... You know, it's On like... their first turn. Yeah, your, your comfy makes sense. The Mew makes sense. But if you're just throwing it in there, you know, I was uh, toying around with a Zorark deck for a little bit, and uh, you just come to find out, it's like... I have nothing that's finding these battle VIPs because I'd have a Mew in there. It's like you're just hoping you get one and you go first. So, it, you know, <laughs> but then I guess that's why Azul and these guys go in second, playing Charizard, 
you can play in the Arvin. Yeah, but then you just run one VIP. Like I love that because you're only going to play it once. So you Arvin, just run one battle. And if it's prize, it's prize. But uh, again, it's just the yeah. I don't know all the all the risk cards to me always feel enticing. But at the end of the day, I just don't think I could live with it if that's how I lost. You know, it just suck. And I feel you. Pokemon is a game of risk management, risk odds. <laughs> And you have to determine what that level for is and what you roll with it. And yeah. in keeping with that, I'm going to throw you back to two of my favorite decks. Okay. Because you know I live and die by the roll, Corey. Oh, I yeah. love to live. And, and you tried to talk me off of it for years. For years, <laughs> you tried to talk me off of it. But you already mentioned one, the Diamond and Pearl Stormfront Gengar. <laughs> if, if there was ever such a great ability, I, I just I, I need the audience to hear hear this card because i just love it so much i'm just going to read its ability it's an ability that is not unfamiliar in recent metas pokey power fainting spell <laughs> once during your turn so dumb. if gengar would be knocked out by damage from an attack you may flip a coin if heads <laughs> the defending pokemon is knocked out that's, so stupid. that's a great risk worthwhile pokemon free retreat Corey. free retreat on what? this stage too what's his what's his attack what does it do? One one energy, put three damage counters on one of your opponent's Pokemon, but if it has a ability, you get to put six. Oh, nice. I do remember that. And then Poltergeist, which is an attack we're still familiar with where you're doing damage based on the number of trainer support or stadium cards at how, that time. How much? Yeah. How much damage? Thir- 30 times. 30, that was always the, the... Nowadays, it's 60, right? That's always 60 yeah, times. Yeah, you, you can pop. 40. You can pop. Interesting. We had a great guest on our show once upon a time by the name of Tyler Mitchell and potentially <laughs> oh, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest flipping deck of all time. No has to be Skittles, Corey. Like <laughs> the great, it, it just, has, it, just luck deck of all time. It, it has to be again, back to diamond and pearl in secret wonders. This is the set we got our start on Corey. Oh my God. This it is, was, this is where our journey began. Yep. A Phoenix turn. If you're knocked out by damage, flip a coin. If heads, you keep all of your energy. You keep everything. Your opponent still takes a prize card, but the Pokemon just survives out there. Oh my gosh! I it, well, and then the Togekiss was what top eight energies or top ten? Top seven. I think it was seven. Seven? No, it was. Let me. Let me. No, it was, it was. Maybe it was eight. I'm gonna look real quick. Check. Check that. I think it was eight. Look at the when when you evolve the Togekiss. Look at the top eight cards and attach any basic energy you find there. 10. It was, it was 10. 10. Gosh, that's crazy. You don't see that anymore. A look at the top 10. That's That was wild. That deck was stupid. That deck was stupid. I would have rathered have my Pokemon stay, my opponent take a prize, and I get to keep my Pokemon in play versus I'm taking you down with me. Right? Like, wouldn't you rather stay in play because then you have to go find it? Because yeah, you're inevitably going to knock out, right? Isn't that what you'd want? Wouldn't you rather be... No, you want to be Gengar? I don't know. I, I, it's tough because we didn't have the advent of multi-prize Pokemon back then. Well, okay. I guess you're right. The Gengar could pull the multi-prizer with it, and then they're taking you're taking two, and it took one. Yeah. Okay, well, it's, yeah, okay. It's, it's, a, it's a different world. Well, isn't that, we, isn't that Weezing now? Doesn't Weezing do that? The new Weezing? It does. It's it the does. same thing. Yeah, it so does. I don't know, man. Maybe we need some Weezing love in here. You put a Weezing, Weezing deck together. Wheezing just doesn't, it just doesn't attack, man. 50, 
Double colorless gets you 50 and then 10 damage to each of your opponent's defense Pokemon. I'm just not, I'm not seeing the value. Got a little spread right there. I like it. A little spread spread. That's it. But that, that's going to wrap us up. Remember, we're not saying don't risk it in Pokemon. I say risk it for the biscuit. But just know, calculate the risk of your desk. I like what Corey said. If you've got risk, give it some opportunity to pay off with other things that putting in your deck. And at the end of the day, if you're like me and you're running suboptimal rogue flippy decks, own it. Own, own it. it. That's who I am. If, it, if, if the odds would have lined up and every heads I hit, I win the tournament, I'm willing to take those risks, Corey. Yeah. I'm willing to take those risks. I never top-cutted with them. Let that be a lesson to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Jared. Well, I appreciate the topic for today, and uh, good luck with them dice rolls, everybody. We'll see you guys next time for Jared and Corey. This is Teach Me Pokemon. There you go. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com. Teach Me Pokemon podcast. Come and dive with us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Wait.